Welcome to Becoming of a Scientist, a series of podcasts by Mech and Flow, where we take a peek into the life of world's greatest pioneers and understand their journey from being a simpleton to becoming the greatest minds to ever walk on the planet. Today is the first episode, Becoming Newton, where we'll get to know about the life of Sir Isaac Newton, who was popularly known as the natural philosopher during his time. We will talk about how his life, being from a dropout to becoming the face of every physics textbook there is to exist. Now, a brief introduction to Mech and Flow and who we are. Mech and Flow is a team of young enthusiasts, proficient in the core and basics of mechanical engineering. We want to contribute to helping each other grow in this field in every way possible. And as a means of inspiring the young minds this podcast provides a series of experiences of the most brilliant minds who overcame obstacles in the light in the field of science. I am Suraj Naya from Mech and Flow, your host for the podcast. Today we have with us Shalmali Mutalik, who is the co-founder at Mech and Flow, who will be our go-to techie. We also welcome our guest speaker, Professor Dominic Mathias, who will who is an author and an avid speaker. will give us some insights into the life of newton hello shalmali hello sir hi hi so shalmali newton from our childhood you know since we have started reading books about science maths we have heard this name isaac newton so what are your thoughts yeah like uh as you said it's very true uh, he newton he has been the person who has troubled us a lot in childhood he has yes. given us the laws to remember and all of that but but anyway so th- this is true though that he has uh, he is really a, one of the brilliant minds in the field of sciences yes yes very to very to i mean i mean he has shared his opinions on almost everything that we know and heard of i mean in the form of paper experiments laws theories and what not i mean that guy is really one of the greatest of all times but uh, what do you think when he was born though i think it was around 4 500 years before <laughs> i have no idea um maybe we can ask dominic sir i mean sure he has like a store to like enlighten us i mean so isaac newton one of the greatest people to walk on the planet i mean there is a lot to learn so dominic sir could you just tell us about you know the uh, insights of his birth where he was born yes isaac newton he is one of the most famous people in the planet and uh, he was born on christmas day another famous figure in the world yeah by the way even his father was known as isaac newton Oh wow but yeah uh, unfortunately he died before he was born that's the reason why his father's name was given to him oh, that's that's an early loss i mean there have been a lot of times where you know young great minds like these have had a loss in their early you know early days i mean but son or being a child to a single parent house i mean he should be very you know close to his mother and all don't you think so no actually it's quite the opposite you know yeah actually he was born prematurely and he was a very small child his mother anna reportedly said that he could have fit inside a uh, cot mug 
Isn't that wow. very queer? <laughs> yes. And uh, not only that, when Newton was just three, his mother left him and remarried, went to live with her new husband, the Reverend Barnabas Smith. So he was given to his grandmother to be looked after. So for nine years until the death of Barnabas Smith in 1653, he was separated from his mother. And actually he had his, its own uh, repercussions. He had a few uh, psychotic tendencies. Oh. These have been ascribed to this traumatic event. And interestingly, his mother had three children, Mary, Benjamin and Hannah from his second marriage. Oh. Ah, that, that's really sad. Like he had been alone all the time. Yes. And uh, he disliked his stepfather so much that uh, he, they were like enemies. In fact, once when he was compiling his catalogue of sins in shorthand, he remembered threatening his father and mother to burn them and the house over them. This kind of acute sense of insecurity made him obsessively anxious. So this affects him even later on when his work was published. And then there were controversies on his work. Mm. He even became irrationally violent when he had to defend his uh, his theses and his uh, uh, inventions. Oh, I mean, that's really dark, man. Like, I never imagined Isaac Newton to have such a kind of childhood and, you know, you know, uh, having an image of him as someone who is very logical and, you know, very rational. I mean, this is something that's very new to hear. I mean, having such a dark past. I mean, I I wish no one no one else has that kind of a past. But, but what about his education then? Where did he live? I mean, what did he do about his yeah. academics? From the age of about 12 till he was 17, he resided with a certain William Clark, an apothecary in Grantham, where he acquired interest in chemistry. Newton was educated at the King's School, Grantham, which taught Latin and Greek, and probably some foundation in mathematics also. But he must, he spent so much of his time on independent pursuits that he did poorly in school. Naturally, he had to be removed from school by October 1659. Mm-hmm. What? The great Newton removed from his school? I mean... I don't believe it. What happened? Yeah, I mean, look at Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg and Lady Gaga, like all of these things, all of these famous people who are really successful, they have been dropped out of school. So I think it is, it has something to do with it. But also, you know, when his mother was widowed for the second time, she forced, kind of, she forced Newton to uh, manage her property, which obviously... Newton didn't like because clearly he didn't uh, enjoy doing such things like maybe looking for the cattle and looking after the property. He didn't really like it. So he used to be, he used to sit under a tree and read books when he was supposed to do something else, that is look after the property. Man, I mean, that would have been a big waste of talent. Uh, But what then happened then? Uh, uh, Was he sent back to the school? I mean, what happened? Yes, he went back to the school in Grantham. And uh, there are many scientists who studied even in that same school. And when he went, left the school, he left behind in Grantham many anecdotes about his mechanical ability and his skill in building models of machines, such as clocks and wind machine, windmills. Henry Stokes, his master at the King's School, persuaded his mother to send him back to school. Mm-hmm. And now after joining the school, he became the top-ranked student. Wow. Distinguishing himself mainly by building sundials and models of wind, windmills. This he did at the mm. age of 18, achieving an admirable final result. Report. I mean, I don't even remember what I was doing at 18, man. 
that's newton for you and now i get where the physics stuff comes from i mean that's interesting man so wh- what about his college life then what happened yeah, in june 1661 he was admitted to trinity college cambridge for bachelor mm-hmm. of arts because he was recommended by his uncle reverend william askoff who had studied oh. there he started as a subsidized student by paying his way by performing the duties of a valet until he was oh, awarded wow. a scholarship in 1664 which guaranteed him four more years of studies till he could complete his ma wow finally finally he was getting somewhere yeah and uh, during that time you know uh, the teachings they were mostly based on works of galileo aristotle descartes and kepler's mm-hmm. and obviously uh, through his work we can see they are the people who actually inspired yeah. him to do what he yes. was so uh yeah. and talking about the college days during college days he used to maintain a notebook so basically it is a book in which he noted down all the questions on philosophy and this he did during his college Ooh. days so uh, if you go through that book then you can clearly see the development of his scientific mind and uh mm-hmm. he ne- in those days he never did like anything but just studied he cut out all the distractions okay. he made a timetable and he he made sure that he would follow it and he never really enjoyed like go went out on something like that he never did it mm-hmm. he just he he used to lock up his, yeah. himself in his room and study and then later also in 1665 he discovered the generalized binomial theorem which began to develop a mathematical theory and then that led to calculus yeah yeah i mean that's that's very interesting and about the not going out and just studying part i hope my mother doesn't hear that <laughs> i don't want other other one of her one of her classes but then again the philosophical philosophical part i mean that's pretty interesting i mean i never knew that newton was philosophical and about his book that that was quite interesting but then i uh, i i also heard that he had completed his ba i mean around the time when the great plague was there i mean uh, isn't that true dominic sir yeah it's true because the university was temporarily closed as a precaution against the great plague and uh, at cambridge he was not very much distinguished as a as a student but after he came home his private studies at his home over the next 2 years saw the development of his theories on calculus optics the law of gravitation you may call it the lockdown advantage as we are having nowadays yeah i think we all students can completely relate to it now the way yes. uh, we are completely isolated in one place so yeah but but of course we are not newton so we won't sit and study but <laughs> look into exactly. our phones <laughs> but anyway like there was uh, during that period also you know he uh, attended a fair uh, which was for astrology and there it, it which was again near cambridge and there he uh, purchased a book uh, of course related to astrology he didn't he couldn't really understand it so to understand that he brought a book which was by euclid named elements 
after reading it few pages he was like ah i can do this you know it's it's so easy i don't need to study it and then he moved on uh, studying rene descartes geometry but but then later uh, in his examination for a scholarship at trinity he was examined on euclid on euclid the same book like euclid's uh, elements the same book by dr isaac barrow and he was so disappointed uh, by newton's lack of knowledge of the subject so newton then uh, he again thought that okay maybe i should read it once again so he sat down and studied it again with care and then he was uh, of much favorable opinion of euclid's merit get doing the, all this with the help of reference book man but he did that all by himself using a book that's just phenomenal i mean obviously he could have made mistakes and tried to solve them i mean coming from you know such humble backgrounds and then you know doing all by himself i mean he made his mistakes and then just try to you know uh, you know make it straight yeah yeah so when he studied this book uh, descartes geometry he really got very very inspired towards mathematics and that's when he started studying uh, higher mathematics uh, actually back then there was a concept which was called as commonplace book so basically this is nothing but it's like a scrap scrap book you know like or okay. maybe diary yeah, you yeah. can call it a diary or something in a small commonplace book uh, which was dated around january 1664 mm-hmm. there were several articles on mathematics and even applied mathematics on optics so in which very great mathematicians and even artists they had contributed to this book and in the same book newton he made an entry and b- but then that entry was when he it was just when he was an undergraduate wow so, i mean that's yeah. that's that's surprising man i mean doing that at very young age and by himself just wow yeah, yeah coming to his discoveries now let's talk about his discoveries what he did i mean that's the real stuff yeah. that made him newton So Dominic sir actually he was very much inspired by Galileo one interesting point is that he was born in the very same year when Galileo died so, so mean, they, he could never meet him but he was very much influenced by him mm-hmm. right right yeah so like although Galileo was the first person to notice that objects are pulled towards the center of earth Newton yeah. Newton built upon this and then he showed that this same force it was responsible for orbits of the planets in the solar system which we okay. today call it as gravity like oh. i mean he himself named it as gravity so he claimed that the objects in universe attract each other with a force that varies directly as the product of their masses and inversely as square of their distances which basically is uh, newton's gravitational uh, law which he said that it is equal to galileo's yeah, pull yes. concept yeah 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 so maybe this is where the time when you know he was sitting under a tree and then apple fell on yes. him but yeah, i i mean i don't story. know we don't know how much true or false <laughs> that story is exactly <laughs> there was no one to approve it so yeah yes uh then but while he was doing all of this time only he invented all the actual calculus part 
during this time uh, when he was around 23 that was in 1665 something like that he he invented something called as fluxions basically this is nothing but this is nothing but just calculus for us oh right huh. uh, he he used the terms like gradients and terms like that so okay. uh, yeah there are several uh, papers also regarding the term fluxions in fact this started a kind of controversy yeah yeah there was yeah. an argument between mathematicians like isaac newton and gottfried leibniz over who had first invented the calculus right it was huh. a major yeah. intellectual controversy it started simmering in 1699 and broke out in full force in 1711 Mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly like lebanus he had published his work first but newton was the one who had done it uh, but he never published it so right huh. but newton supporters they accused lebanus of plagiarizing newton's unpublished ideas and lebanus died in a disfavor in 1716 uh, after his patron and then uh, basically New- newton uh, didn't really uh, publish it because he felt that it was a minor annotation it, it, i mean it was one of the minor okay. annotation he had done in his uh, one of the books right 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 actually leibniz began working on his variant of calculus in 1674 mm-hmm. and then he published a paper on that in 1684 okay and uh, hospital published the text of his calculus in 1696 in which he recognized oh, yeah. that newton's principia of 1687 was nearly all about this calculus although the name were, names were different okay. meanwhile newton though he explained his geometrical form of calculus in section 1 of he did not explain his eventual fluxional notation for the calculus in print until 1693 in part and 1704 in full The modern consensus is that okay. the two men developed their ideas independently at different places. Okay, so I mean, I mean, there was a lot of fuss. I mean, there was a lot of fuss about Leibniz, El Hospital, and Newton. I mean, there was a lot of animosity going on between these people. I mean, and it was it wasn't proved. I mean, it is still under discussion who was the first one to come up with calculus or uh, any other thing. Uh, for that matter, I mean, again, the other another thing that blows my mind is that I. piece of paper i mean it uh, the writing that dates back to july 4 1699 in that newton talks about his you know life at cambridge and then uh, in 1664 just before christmas uh, coming up with uh, you know the different theories borrowing the works of valis who was very famous at that time as well and coming up with the method of infinite series and again in the summer 1665 you know coming out of the cambridge just after the uh, you know the great plague and then computing the area of hyperbole at boothby uh, i mean these are all things that you know like like i'm flabbergasted what newton did during that mm-hmm. time when the resources were so less yes. i mean then uh, but uh, the thing other thing that comes into mind is like whenever he's proposing all these and uh, you know his competitions are always accused of plagiarizing his work and uh, other things as well but doesn't doubt regarding what he's proposing doesn't he feel like this might be wrong or that might be wrong then h- how does he cope up with that yeah i mean also uh, coming back to the gravity thing also 
uh, he of course had he ha- had a doubt and also not just doubt but you know like looking at the scenario that you had to prove to the other scientists that what he is saying is right so to do that um, he he was thinking about like how can he prove this with the help of principles uh, that were there before he came up with his own so then he you know came across kepler's third law that stated the ratio of squares of periods of any two planets is equal to the mm-hmm. ratio of cubes of their average distances from the sun and then yeah. he combined this work with copernicus galileo and uh, kepler's this third law and then mm-hmm. then he uh, thought about the solar system model that was begun by then he came back to the solar system model that was begun by babylonians and early greek periods so mm-hmm. and that was obviously the greatest theory uh, in the sciences and oh yeah when, mm-hmm. when he was doing all of this this is when he came up with newton's three law three law of motion this is the time period wow. he came up wow. with these three uh, laws uh, the first law stating that every object in state of motion in state of uniform motion tends to remain in the state of motion unless an external force is applied to it and, and the second law being force is equal to mass into acceleration and the third law being for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction yes 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 i mean i mean that that is the one theory that i'm most accustomed to like i have been you know like beaten down to learn of all of these laws yeah like, these are the things that i know personally these are things he is famous for i mean yeah. the other part about you talking about combine him combining the copernicus galileo and kepler theory into one theory i mean who does that newton does that <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah and that's why he's called i mean the greatest of all time <laughs> yeah yeah talking about solar system model for this he needed a telescope and during that time the standard telescope was it was developed by galileo and it was a refracting telescope which was not that ideal so basically it used to get refracted and then the sides they used to get blurred yeah yeah and newton solved this problem by using mirrors instead of lenses so during Ooh. this period he was like really into optics and uh, he studied a lot of optic uh, optic related things also and there are laws that he also made yeah so newton made a new telescope with um with the mirrors and this telescope it was it used to magnify whatever it focused by 40 times and this exactly is the principle wow. that we use even today so yeah obviously it was a very big thing and also uh, com- coming back to the part where he you know invented a lot of things about discovered a lot of things about optics in that yeah. uh, in that time he also discovered that sunlight comprises of all the colors of rainbow and they cannot be separated but recombine into a white light uh and yeah. people back then they were uh, he obviously uh, got a lot of um, hate for this because uh, though he made experiments on light in like uh, 
when he was only like 24 years old he didn't publish his classic optics which summarized his findings on uh, light and color until 1704 but then again this publication and publication of his discoveries led to a series of controversies mm. which lasted for many many years yes. and here to contend with the best of the scientists of the age like robert hook atten lucas and franciscus linus and many others but mm-hmm. the problem mainly was newton was not able to accept criticism but at the same right. time he don't care to explain himself why he is right yeah yeah exactly exactly i mean newton in some of the cases i mean i have heard also he doesn't you know he doesn't like to hear criticism i mean that could be influenced as uh, you know as you all said the the childhood that he came yeah. from so yeah childhood trauma. doing everything by himself and you know coming up to this stage and accepting criticism at this final moments mm-hmm. i mean that 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 could be you know explainable but then again he found himself in fights with all these people i mean yes. many of his opponents denied the truth of his experiments saying that all of this is just vague and his assumptions refusing to believe his theories and all i mm. mean that's a hard time to go through for newton but at the same time newton was very humble he could carry on the discussion with the objectors with great courtesy and patience of course these long discussions gave a lot of pain to his sensitive mind mm. but he was not too in, uh, interested in uh, clarifying his position he knew he was right even though they said he was not correct he was ready to go on with his own ideas yeah exactly yes. yeah it was really fortunate that uh, these disputes he it did not damp newton's ardor as much as he feared like yeah he co- still continued he went on and made uh, he published many papers related to optics yeah i mean he indeed towards the end i mean he was successful in explaining the you know the color of thin like and thin plates you know and then again his theories of diffraction then polarization the inflection of light double reflection and binocular vision i, I guess it was i mean these all of these theories are very you know famous right now and some some of these are like the you know stepping stones to the other major theories that we have right now yeah and also during that period he had invented a reflecting quadrant for observing the angles between moon and fixed stars so this is like known as halley's quadrant mm-hmm. now so this discovery was communicated by him to edmund halley in 1700 but it was not published or communicated to the royal society until after halley's death later on heli got the credit for the quadrant that, that's yeah. a bit sad, sad. but yeah or yeah. that newton had began early to make careful observation of natural phenomena he was making notes in his optics but he was not publicizing it because he perhaps he was not convinced of them or he was still in the process of learning what those things were yeah yeah like due to uh, so it basically during this period his duty was uh, as a professor to lecture at least once a week in time from some portion of maybe geometry arithmetic astronomy geography optics statics and also for 2 hours in the week to allow an audience or like a student uh, to consult with the professor with any difficulties he had encountered 
but uh, and of course newton chose to lecture on the topic of optics but the saddest part was mm-hmm. no one ever actually attended his lectures because What? you know newton was like a bit <laughs> introverted and boring kind of person so no student ever attended his lectures like there were like there were really some times where he was <clears throat> teaching to just the benches and the wall i mean imagine <laughs> yeah. that that's so sad i mean that's so <laughs> sad but then again even i wouldn't attend attend a board <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah that's a given but still that's <laughs> sad though <laughs> yeah 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 there's one more aspect to newton's life that is he believed in god okay, there's always oh. a controversy between science and religion can they should they go in hand can they go hand in hand and all that yeah 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 but he believed that science religions can go uh, could go hand in hand like hmm. so he studied the bible and tried to relate it to science by doing calculations yeah but i think also like during that time people never separated uh, religion and science because like they 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 always used to say that um, we are doing this to reach to god so yeah ha uh-huh. ha yeah so maybe at that time it was not that uh, controversial but yeah not, because ha huh. yeah 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 but not just that you know during that during like maybe when he was around 30 to 40 age in that time period he also practiced alchemy and he oh. really really believed that he could do it like he or he had also uh, you know come up with like he had also reached to a certain stage in that uh, mm-hmm. in the practice of alchemy but he couldn't do it further and you know he got depressed and he got really frustrated at some point right and then he was like oh, he kind of gave up we can say and then he came back to sciences after 40 right coming back to his uh, science and religion he must be remembering what happened to copernicus and galileo galilei yeah 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 yes yeah, exactly and, exactly uh, yeah like, <laughs> abandoned them they had in fact they were excommunicated and all that yes yes so yeah exactly i mean galileo was pretty much exiled because of his thoughts mm. i mean mm. that's something that we all know uh, yes. but i didn't know that newton practiced alchemy i mean alchemy during that time was you know it could be you know the both side of the coin it could be yes. positive it could be negative i mean black magic was a stuff mm. that was going on and alchemy was a part of it i mean and newton practicing that i mean that's very you know that's very mind boggling because again him being a very rational and person who is who belongs from science you know thinking mm. of god and then alchemy i mean that's very you know very different than what i imagine and not just that but now that uh, he tried to relate bible and the astronomy or science that he was studying wow and he did a lot of calculations and mm-hmm. he came to a part where like uh, we will be really surprised today if we listen to it but he has done a prediction so newton predicted that the world will end in 2060 Oh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean 
doing predictions and all also it it is so um basically it is something that we cannot imagine yeah, yeah, yeah. science person to do exactly exactly i mean there have been a lot of predictions even in uh, you know if you remember in early 2010 or something like that there was a prediction the world will end in 2012 yeah and again the date changed <laughs> back to 2018 i mean there has been a lot of predictions but but those are from just like you know fake people or just mad scientists that yeah. that we can call them but newton you know i mean yeah. we never know i think newton. we have to prepare Yeah, yeah 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 i mean i guess we have to prepare for something like that yeah yeah i mean then you know like you know after hearing all this i mean it's very 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 you know uh, very exciting to know about newton i mean newton being from a you know being from a lonely boy with like unbearable hate towards his parents as dominic said to becoming the revolutionary over a span of 80 84 years i mean it was not easy but it was more or less like a walk on water and unfortunately that ended on 31st march 1727 you know he started from being a mathematical mentor to many and then publishing astonishing papers during the great plague in creating the revolutionary telescope i mean that was one invention that everyone could be proud of and then coming up with the ground breaking laws and theorem i mean isaac newton was no normal person i mean he was a pioneer and he will be and isaac newton laid down the foundation to the modern science i mean he could be more or less called the father of modern science and his in and his influence on the modern science is not trivial i mean he had made many friends but more enemies during his life i mean due to which his end was not as grand at his at, as it should have been but in spite of all that i mean he is undoubtedly one of the great minds to walk on the earth and his legacy is the epitome of human might and having said that we have come to an end to our podcast and i thank dominic sir for taking his time out for us and being a part of this podcast on behalf of the whole team of make and flow thank you sir Thank you, Mekhan Flow team, for roping me in. Also for your support. Thanks a lot. I'm, I feel honored. Thank you, sir. Honors is all ours. And thank you, Shalmiri, for tuning in. I also like to thank our team members, Abhishek, Ramiz, and Anand, for making this podcast possible. So, guys, this was the first episode of the series, Becoming of a Scientist. I hope everyone loved it. Uh, this is Mekhan Flow signing off. See you next time. Mm-hmm.